Every time I start to type GameStop on my iPhone keyboard, GameStop comes up as a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And it turns out that uh, during the episode of the Insert Credit Podcast recording, when we uh, coined the phrase GameStop, I put a shortcut into my iOS keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Insert Credit, the only show on the internet in which we weekly deliver the loudest news, reviews, tips, and tricks fresh dripped hot from the bottom of video games themselves. In each of our ten wild segments, we have six minutes to puncture your eardrums with the sick truth. If we can't reach a conclusive consensus within the time limit, listeners and participants alike suffer the buzzer. And now, your host, Alex Jaffe. Jaffe, Jaffe. This guy, our insert credit. Welcome to the only Uh hour-long video game talk show where the participants are forced to come into agreement every six minutes or face horrible audio consequences. I'm Alex Jaffe, and the last co-op game I played with a stranger was Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon. Oh, uh, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and the last co-op game I played with a stranger... Oh, it was an NBA Jam cabinet at MAGFest uh, in oh, January. National Beef Academy Jam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a game about cows, right? Yeah. It's about <laughs> how to pair the best cuts of meat with the best uh, jelly preservatives. National Beef Academy presents Jam. National Beef Academy, right? What's your turn, Tim? Uh, my name is Tim Rogers, and the last co-op game I played with a stranger was... Uh, I, I don't think I have an answer off the top of my head. Uh, so I didn't either. I actually my, uh, my, played competitively against the guy. I'm just going to come clean. Right my now. immediate answer was uh, was something a, a little bit too uh, a little bit too uh, you know uh, personal for uh, this uh, this show. Uh, <laughs> that kind of co-op game. Well, uh, my name's Brandon Sheffield, and I think the last co-op game I played with a stranger was. Magic Sword at California Extreme Arcade Expo. Oh man, it's not a very exciting story, but no, but it's like when else are you going to play co-op with a stranger, other than oh, right. on, on one of them arcade cabinets? I mean, I do. If if it were further back, there were times when, for example, a bunch of people would get together and at someone's house and play like some of those multiplayer couch multiplayer Xbox Live indie games or something like that. That hidden in plain sight game, if you remember that, that game one, owns. yeah, that game's good. Yeah, had a lot of good ideas. Didn't have a lot of graphics, but it didn't matter because it was like a really good eight-player uh, bunch of m- weird mini games. That game was great for doing that sort of thing. And Just uh, all instantly appealing, instantly interesting mechanics in that little game. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just the the fact is that was like eight years ago, so I I couldn't say it was the most recent. I remember playing that and being like, Chris Hecker had yet to release Spy Party in any publicly available form at that time. And I'm like, oh man, like, wow, you just kind of getting your stuff stepped on here. Uh, (laughs) It had so many, like, not just Spy Party ideas, though ideas that ran with a whole bunch of little what ifs on Spy Party. Kind of a neat game. It kind of felt like someone read about Spy Party and was like, hmm, what if I did something like that? And then just did it 
five times as fast or uh, ten times as fast. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I was yeah. gonna make the joke about the the dev time on that game, but there it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I mean, I don't want to like like uh, kind of you know profile the person who made Hidden in Plain Sight too much, though. It feels like somebody heard about Spy Party and was like, "I want to learn how to make video games. I'm just gonna try to make some stuff that I think about as I try to remake." something like spy party and then they just made a million different variations of it in one game and it was very good he was having a little try party a little yeah. try party yeah does anyone mind if i talk about my gamestop experience for well, a minute hold on uh, yeah, okay. GameStop Tim, to- you were the one who won last week's episode in oh, right. our lightning round uh, uh, do you have a question or would you like to relinquish your time to brandon um i don't want to relinquish nothing but uh <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll, I'll only talk about it for one minute, and then you can think about your question during that time. How about one that? minute on the clock? Go. I, I can okay. think about my question. So I ordered seventeen games from GameStop during their fifty percent off if you buy more than five things that are under twenty dollars sale, and uh, I was excited about them because there was a lot of good stuff in there. So I got an email saying we have received your order. It will be processed. Or it is being processed. And then I received another email the next day saying your order has been successfully canceled, which was not something that I requested. So I called them, waited on the phone for literally two hours, talked to one person who couldn't solve my problem, who then forwarded me to another person who suggested that it was a problem with my payment system and that he would forward me to someone that, who then I could reorder with because what I found out later is probably people thought I was a reseller because I used my Necrosoft games card. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so he forwarded me to the online sales department and during his forward, he uh, connected me to a number that had changed and which hung up on me after two hours uh, at this point, two and a half hours of waiting. So I then decided to reply to the email, the cancellation email that said, if you have any questions, please reply to this email and we will get right back to you. And I received an auto reply email from them saying, this is an unmonitored inbox. Uh, Your (laughs) replies will not be read. So they've created quite the labyrinth to prevent me from giving them money for their product. So if you wondered why uh, GameStop is having any trouble, that's probably a little bit of a part of it. That would be it. GameStop. If if your last name is Games, don't try ordering. Oh, Lord, <laughs> video games, man! I'm telling you what; those games need to stop. Yeah, right. Tim, you uh, got a we question? Need to, yeah, we need to start this show. Tim, what's your first topic? I don't have one. Can we? Can I do it later? <laughs> yes, you can do it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, try to try to spring it on. I'll I'll, I'll try to develop the topic as we go on during the show. Okay, let's then let's that. get into current events. Uh, oh, question excellent. number two. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 are being remastered, yeah. allegedly, with the skaters' models updated to look how they appear today. God, I hope so. Why do, why do, why do we keep saying allegedly? It's, it's true. Have you not watched their little live stream? I watched their little live stream yesterday. It's, it's real. They, just, okay. they said it, and they showed it. It's okay. not alleged. It's real to me. It's not alleged. Okay. It's real. It's, it's confirmed. It's a nice, sweet little thing they did, I think, I would so, say. So, what other games would uh, benefit from similar updates? Uh, Super Mario, all all yeah. Mario games. I want to see what Mario looks like now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, they they re- they revealed that new Paper Mario today. You all see yeah. that? Yeah, um, yeah. We know what he looks like now. He's paper. 
I love seeing people uh, be impressed by Paper Mario, first of all, because uh, that's like, it, it doesn't a Paper Mario game like come out and then it's always just a, a big old pile of slop part nonsense. Anyway, Mario still looks like a 12-year-old with a mustache in the Paper Mario games. I want to see him how he would look in real life. Because in 1982, he had a full mustache. and was Yeah, able how to long cl- must that thing be now? It's probably down to his ankles. Yeah, I mean he's uh, got it. He's got to be gross looking now. <laughs> I'm imagining he looks real bad in real life now, and they keep using the uh, the, the 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 nice uh, skin polygons where he's got the nice rubbery, soft, beautiful baby boy skin. He's no. probably got the chest hair that you see even when he has a shirt on. Like oh yeah, so mm-hmm. it's just flying through. Yeah, the old inflational chest hair. I mean, maybe they just stick Charles Martinet in the game and put a mustache on him. Oh God, yeah. that would be that would be nightmare fuel for literally the rest of my life. So here's would, one which I think my life. They already should have updated this way. Uh, Streets of Rage Four came out, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and they sure did update Alex to be an older guy. And then they they took, oh, I'm blanking. Is it Blaze the Blaze. lady? Yeah, Blaze, yeah. yeah. They took Blaze and were like, "Okay, you're still 26, but Alex, he's now 50." So you, <laughs> I would have liked to see Blaze just, you know, look her age the way Alex does. I think that would have been a, a good call in that particular instance. Go all the way or don't, you know? Right. Oh, hey, here's another one. That Tokimeki Memorial game where it's you're you're like trying to date <laughs> a, a bunch of middle schoolers. Um, what they they were they were in middle school or whatever in 1991 whenever that game came out where are they now i would i would be like let's let's date a bunch of 45 year old housewives that that game probably exists that would would be uh if it were officially licensed tokimeki that would that would be hot as heck it would be pretty cool actually so I was trying to think of a game that rendered a real life person who looks significantly different now. Mm-hmm. Best I could come up with was that I assume Brendan Fraser was in a mummy game at some point. Had to have been. And he looks a lot different now. So it'd be kind of fun to play as a chunky Brendan in a game. Yeah. yeah he looks like a robot now. <laughs> exactly. Right. He's a bronze <laughs> robot. Nice. I I ain't seen Brendan Fraser outside of uh, any of those like the when 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 a bunch of weird psychopath uh, yacht owning corona drinking narcs bought the company that I was working for and they forced us to run those viral uh clickbait ads at the bottoms of all of our posts which crammed and slowed down the browser and got millions of complaints and that became the subject of all my tweets forever. That's the last time I saw Brendan Fraser was was in one of those little thumbnails. That's like, you won't believe what Brendan Fraser looks like now. And I was like, you know what? I've seen myself. I probably would. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, you know, I know if I click on this, my computer's going to uh, accumulate a bunch of rust and mold within like 30 <laughs> seconds. So I'm not going to do that. So that's the last time I saw Brendan. So you know what? Yeah, I'd buy that game for a dollar. Okay. Put it on the Nintendo Wii. Like me and Jappy, you should maybe look into watching Doom Patrol then. Right. Oh, Doom oh, Patrol. Yeah. Okay, hey, I'll I have check a good, it out. I have, I have one here that is maybe, it might be a little rude. I don't know how people are, people are going to feel about this one. But uh, as a, for instance, a game starring, a, a game which has Magic Johnson 
has a character in it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Magic Johnson's fast break basketball. Right. Magic Johnson's mm-hmm. fast break basketball, except now Magic Johnson is a skeleton. What? Because he's dead. Magic Johnson's not dead. Oh, he's what? not dead? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Magic Johnson is 100% alive. I'm sorry. Magic Johnson is kicking wild. He is a a strong dude still. I I shouldn't have put him in in the grave. I apologize. Okay, how about... uh, I just mean a game where somebody's dead. Muhammad uh, Ali as a skeleton. Ah, uh, Muhammad Ali has, in Fight has Night. Has Muhammad Ali been in it? Yeah, Fight Night, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay, first of all, at the he's time, got another Ma- game. The, he's got a game on the Genesis. He's got his own the, game. At, yeah. the, at the time Muhammad right. Ali was, was put into Fight Night, he was already suffering with a neurodegenerative disorder. Yeah. Uh, so technically, he was being, uh, his younger self was already being yeah. presented at the time that the game was made. So it's not the same as. Uh, young virile Tony Hawk in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One. It's a little it's no, a, but but I mean, a little he, bit grimly what, different. I would. He I would had say. his own. He did have his own games, though, or at a, least one of them. A so. grim little difference, I would yeah. say. Just just a, a, a grim little one. Okay, a, yeah. a little less grim would be uh, Minnesota Fats. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Skeleton oh, playing pool. Yeah. Minnesota Fats. That guy, man. What the heck? <laughs> I have to dead? apologize to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's a goddamn legend, man. He's took dunking him before his time. Right now, he's just dunking from ten feet away. He's going to be right. dunking over my grave. One of my favorite T-shirts that I own, that I, I prize and treasure to this day, is my my nineteen ninety one NBA Finals T-shirt. So, I love is his that full shirt. name Magical Johnson? I guess we'll never know. His, it's actually uh, Urban Magic User Johnson because he's uh, a he's a mage. My hoax guy Fantasy. Johnson. He's a. <laughs> here's a question i think we could resolve in six minutes uh now that we're a few months out and starting to see the next generation begin how will people remember video games of the 2010s Mm. they'll probably just forget about them entirely yeah that's my thought well there was red dead one and red dead two so that's that's not a bad decade you know i think my real answer for how they're going to remember the games of this generation is they're going to remember them through their frequent updates into the new generation. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a weird, flippant way or anything, because these, all these games are basically good-looking enough that you can, you can upgrade them somewhat cheaply. Like, you can't upgrade a PlayStation 1 game to, to PS5 without a lot, whole lot of work. But a PS4 game up to PS5, there's some stuff you can do, you know? Like, you can just... P- put it on there kind of and have it running at 60 fps at the highest graphic settings now and it looks better you know yeah that's that's kind of what i'm thinking about like with with some of these uncharted's and lasts of us and 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 whatnot they'll they're just gonna put them on there the old going uh the 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 game liker conspiracy theorization where people are like oh can't they just export it in ps5 mode or whatever like when when uh the Wind Waker came out on the Nintendo Wii U. Uh, Nintendo actually had the gumption to say that it took them six months to do. So that kind of uh, spoiled everybody. And everyone's yeah. like, why can't other people take six months to... If Nintendo did this massive, wonderful remake or remaster in six months, isn't there just a button people can click that can export it in a better uh, better graphics or whatever? Button. It's like, that's actually not... a that's definitely not a thing, but it's closer to being a thing now than it was before. Right. Yeah, I can run some stuff on my uh, my PC 
some old stuff and it just looks good. And the newer the old stuff, the better it looks. I ran that Grand Theft Auto V the other day in 240 frames per second in 1080p in like not max but near max settings. Looks incredible. That's a, going on, that's a seven year old game, you know? Yeah. So games of the 2010s are just going to kind of, uh, I think they're just going to kind of, well, I mean, okay, what, what are the games of the 2010s though? Well, There's I feel a, like, you know, I feel like most of them are those just hyper cinematic, unreal looking games, right? It's the yeah. Uncharted's and the, the Gods the of Wars and stuff. games. I mean, Skyrim came out in 2011, and people still don't. Sure, I mean, yeah. there's other stuff, yeah. But but I think when we kind of, like, when we think about the 50s, we think about Sock Hops or whatever. I think when we think about the 2010s in games, you know, I, I have a feeling that the cinematic video game is not really going to be a major category 10 years from now. I kind of feel like we're kind of full circling back to video games. So I can see that sort of being, like, what we think of when we think of this deck. Well, yeah, there's another aspect to it where, like, you know, in in the 2010s, that was when basically the the so-called double A or or just sort of the middle tier of game development almost yeah. went away, um, because we we had a bunch of it in the Xbox 360, PS3 era, and then now we have like triple A, 500 person studios and indie studios with 10 people and in between there isn't as much as there used to be there's still stuff mostly like in poland and other places where folks are doing trying some things but you know even those polish companies are like techland used to be one of those like okay we're we're 50 people and we're gonna make dead island but now techland's huge like they're they're one of those monolith studios so it, it seems like that that middle arena isn't isn't quite there. So you got the indies experimenting and the AAA folks just making those huge cinematic games. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put it into a decade when you got that. I also feel like a lot of the stuff that uh, we think about as 2010s games, think of like Fortnite came out in 2017 and that just, uh, that's like made more money than most of the AAA industry combined over yeah. the course of the whole decade in just the last three years yep. when you say that the cinematic games might not even be the thing in the future that could be true if Fortnite is as big as it is and that's just the dinkiest i mean no offense to Fortnite. i mean okay a little bit of offense to Fortnite. it's just <laughs> the dinkiest little uh baby boy video game that you can play it's like all the way back to the childish uh he's playing his nintendo's it's like Fortnite has become uh, Baby Boys and Nintendos, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're back to those Baby Boy games, and the Baby Boy games are big, and the Baby Boys are back in town. <laughs> the Big Boy Baby Boys are back in town. Also and, think uh, about those mobile games, like Clash Royale and stuff. I, I, I played that so much I had to stop. I, I got pretty good at that game, and uh, yeah. it, it consumed a bunch of my life. And that's, that's definitely got that big Baby Boy art. For yeah. sure. It's, it's I, highly I, likely that, that cinematic prestige video games are not really, quote-unquote, the video games anymore. They're not all the games anymore. Well, also, the goal with things like Fortnite and Clash Royale is to not be stuck in a decade, but to have people play those games for the rest of their lives, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, they want people... The, the whole thing about free-to-play and whatever is just keep it going. It's a live game. It's never going to stop. It's going to keep evolving. And if you saw that con- that latest concert that was in 
Fortnite. That was actually legitimately pretty neat. Yeah, that was so cool. Like mm-hmm. they really they really thought about what they could do with that. And like every time a huge beat would drop, it would shoot everybody up into the air. And it's like, obviously, that's amazing. Like that's going to feel great in the game. Yeah. When you're like anticipating something and then it just goes and it shoots you up and everyone's like, what? I don't know. Imagine if you actually like love that game and play it every day. That must have been real cool. Yeah. Blow your mind out. Yeah. (laughs) My next question kind of ties into what we were talking about. How does the ubiquity of post-release updates and patches affect video game preservation efforts? Oh, heck. Oh, I got I got my canned answers for this kind of thing. Interviews every couple weeks or so. Let's hear you, you want me to go first? Yes. Yeah, do it. Um, you kill me, bro. I think that we keep trying to apply the preservation rules of a Super Mario Brothers cartridge to a modern video game, and that's just never going to work. Yeah. If we think of game preservation as like, well, we need to save the servers, we need to save the uh, all every patch, uh, we need to be able to roll backwards and forward to experience the game. It's like I. Okay, theoretically, that's maybe possible. It's not possible by uh, a person outside of the company, and uh, people within the company are also never going to do that, so it's not going to happen. But even if you did manage to uh, replicate you know, a, a, an online virtual world, for example, or even like a Farmville, right, where things are updating constantly, and really the game isn't this game it's the environment that you're in it's the people you're playing with it's the time you know like if you if you just run Fortnite 20 years from now and may, you know maybe you get some people playing it or whatever but people you're you're not experiencing what Fortnite was uh you're you're experiencing you know a corpse of a game at that point yeah corpse night is what you would call that we have to think of video game preservation um in a completely different way and I often steal an analogy that um, John Paul da- John Paul Dyson at the Strong Museum once made, which is that we should be thinking of it the way we think of pre- preserving professional sports, right? Where if you're preserving uh, a baseball game that happened, you know, you're not like rebuilding Shea Stadium and cloning the players or whatever. You're documenting the game that happened, and and I think that's what uh, video game preservation uh, needs to be. And then the other half of that equation is that we need to figure out how game companies can comfortably donate their materials to archives so that they can be preserved in that way without uh, making the players have to, to spend uh, thousands of man hours to circumvent, you know, the, the restrictions placed on them to, to do it themselves. Yeah. It's like, I was just reading that article about people playing PUBG on Stadia and how 90% of the uh, people they encountered were actually bots and how the game just didn't feel fun or right. And people have floated the idea of bots as a way to populate those worlds, but it's still, you know, it's still not the thing. That's not how it was played. And also the duration of playing is such a big part of it. I I was just going to point out that like, this problem has existed for a really long time also. For example, with download the early downloadable services like Satellaview and mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. And one that I maybe other people knew about this, but I just found out about, which was the Taito X 
55, which is a karaoke system that Taito made in 1995, where they, it was mostly, it was really expensive to buy the unit. It was a home karaoke machine. You could, that you then had to have a, a monthly subscription and individually download each song, pay for each song to download. And that was, so it was super expensive, but they also put like at least 13 games on it including a game called Cleopatra Fortune, which later became an arcade game and a Saturn game and a PlayStation 1 game and Dreamcast game. But the first version was on this X55. But the way that you would get the games was you would pay money and then you would download it over your phone. And then when you turned the console off, it would be gone. And so the only way to ever get those games is for Taito to have saved them and kept them on a server somewhere because they specifically designed it so that you couldn't keep it. Uh, and those, those games are probably ex- extremely gone. And I was talking to the, the developer of several of those games and he was like, yeah, I don't know where those are. <laughs> like maybe Taito has them. Maybe spoiler. They don't. So I was curious how the advent of world of Warcraft classic, which came out about a year ago, plays into that where we see this player base gravitating towards an older version of the game is that kind of a one-off or do you expect that these games as services might adopt that model more frequently going forward well i think that only applies i mean that it's only relevant for games that are incredibly popular yes and so if if you got like a a a moderately successful mmo it's it's not gonna they won't be able to get that kind of player base back that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the player base they had for Classic was incredible, and they've recognized that they had literally millions of lapsed players from those days that might want to revisit. To me, that's no different than, you know, re-releasing uh, an older game on a, on a new system or something. It's just like a kind of a one-off, like, here, you want to play this old game again, kid? Yeah, right. it's got a built-in audience. I, I would love if that were a thing, though. Like, you know, the 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 maid likes to talk about how they... Yeah, helped save. Was it Homeworld? Ha- Habitat. Sorry, Habitat. I can never remember what it's called. They saved Habitat, but of course, you know, are a lot of people playing Habitat right now? And no. and that only so Habitat for for those listening who don't know that was Lucasfilm Games was doing a, a virtual online world for the Commodore sixty four, um, in like eighty six, eighty seven, something like that. Um, revolutionary at the time and. Uh, the original authors of Habitat basically volunteered and, and got people together and rebuilt the server code and got it running again. Um, and yeah, to Brandon's point, it's like, even at its peak, there were maybe like five to 10 people playing this. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. I'm sure, zero now. And it it's cool that it happened. We just can't expect that there's other chip morning stars in the in the world, you know, and, and, Randy, and uh, Randy Farmers who just kind of, do this for free with the code they already know. Randy uh, Farmers. Huh? Randy Farmers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's go on to the next question now. I've, I've Tim, known a couple Randy. No, not ready yet. No. Okay. In that case, I'm going to shuffle the schedule around a little bit. Uh, Give me a shuffle. number four. What are the hallmarks of a great video game trailer? Well, when you say hallmarks, I think of the trading card company. So right. um, <laughs> you mean the greeting card company? I'm sorry, yes. the greeting card. <laughs> Somebody should make I'll, a collectible. I'll my uh, my my Matt, like I'm sorry for your loss for that uh, Are Mother's there any Day collectible yeah. greeting card games. I, I, I heard that's that. how Nintendo got their start uh, with the Happy Birthday Grandma one. <laughs> 
Uh, the old insert credit staple if somebody says uh, the wrong word in a sentence and then everyone starts talking about what if that's the word they meant to say. <laughs> I think you mean the staple of the entire podcast industry. I think there's there's game trailers that uh, they still... Okay, every Japanese game company to this day opens their trailer with like 20 seconds of a black screen with like text slowly fading onto it. That's like soon the adventure will begin. I, and then it's like a bunch of CG and yep. no gameplay. That's a bad game trailer. So anything that's not that you got to start with just not that basically right, but what gets you excited. You want to have a game trailer. I saw this one game. It uh, man, I can't it, penguin wars. I really like the trailer for Penguin Wars because it successfully communicates what the game is. It shows that it's cute. It has nice music and uh, it sort of expands the idea of the world a little bit by just showing you all the characters and whatever, even though the characters probably don't really matter and, and whatever. It's just uh, it really. Well, I guess I would recast that as I like a trailer that kind of is what it's trying to show you. It acts like what it is. And I, I like that that Tony Hawk trailer that came out for the remaster. Um, it was interesting to watch because I really felt like I should have been watching that in a room full of screaming journalists at E3. It felt like that arena filling kind of a trailer that I used to see with the, the big text coming in and being like, it's Tony Hawk and stuff. And it worked for me. I thought it was a good trailer and I enjoyed watching the whole thing. Um, but it, it felt really weird to watch it by myself. I don't know if anyone else had that feeling. I'm going to have a good time with that. Tony Hawk. Oh heck yeah. I was too mad. I was too uh, busy being angry at the trailer. Angry. Why is that? Um, I didn't like co-opting uh, the dead Kennedy song police truck, which is a protest song about police violence uh, for this trailer. I just uh, wasn't a fan of that. I don't know. Just when police are actually, you know, killing people all the time in the headlines right now. Yeah, I guess I just can't be surprised by that because uh, they they like that whole game is supposed to be about punk music and counterculture stuff. And yeah, so, but he, you know he says ride in the lyrics and you ride a skateboard, so it just fits perfect. Just throw yeah, it right. in there. You want to know what's interesting is I I didn't even uh, I didn't even listen to the sound on that trailer. I watched <laughs> it with the goddamn sound off, listening to my own music. I bring my own music and stuff, so I didn't even know. I think that's a dumb idea to put that song in that trailer. It's a horrible well. idea. Let's get specific here. What song would have you put there Just instead? Just Superman. It's the, it's the other like, That's the one everybody likes, from yeah. The game, yeah. You want to know no, what interests me? So here's, here's what interests me. Um, first of all, my number one thing about trailers, I think the ideal video game trailer should be a seven-second long uh, animated GIF on Twitter. Uh, that's what I think. Um, that makes me go, wow, look at that mechanic that's in yeah. this game. If you want to make mm -hmm. a really good trailer, try to string together what you imagine to be 10 really good six or seven second GIFs. That's that's the way to make a good trailer, especially if it's 60 FPS. Um, but what if it's a game that, you know, that doesn't have visually arresting mechanics? Yeah, or well, isn't mechanics I, oriented? Well, uh, then I'm probably just not interested in it. It's like, <laughs> I'm like not even kidding. Uh, that's that's where do you think... Uh, where do you think the majority of Kickstarter money comes from? Is people. I think that's a good place to stop there. I is, have was that, was that your question, Tim? 
What? Was that your question? It could be your question. Bring that into my question. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've constructed a question over the past <laughs> couple of minutes. Uh, over the past couple of uh, questions, I think I've constructed something. I've slapped something together for whenever we're ready for it. Okay. Uh, I have another question going into the break, though. Uh, it's time to introduce a segment I like to call the Adaptation Game. You like to call it that? You've been calling it that in your head before introducing it to us? All day long. I was like, what am I going to call this? I like the Adaptation Game. <laughs> uh, I audition these for myself. You guys like how I jumped on a few small words and, and dragged it out into like 20 seconds of... Oh, I, I enjoyed it. it. I noticed it. <laughs> uh, the audience loves it, too. I just like it when people pay attention to me, so that was nice. Uh, here's how this goes. I'll name a non-video game property, and you tell mm -hmm. me how you'd make mm -hmm. a video game out of it. Okay, my uh -huh. only request is that you don't say the movie adaptation and, and go for that joke. Never going to happen. Okay. This week, we're doing Bazooka Joe. The oh, comic strip Joe. that comes with uh, the gum of the same name. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that gum was more like the, the show MASH than it was about bazookas. But, I mean, it's got what? the name bazooka in it. We got to have a, a guy with a bazooka blasting stuff, don't we? Sure. Like that, <sighs> I, d I don't remember. Bazooka Joe's an idiot, the, though. I mean, what, what is the comic? I don't even remember. Uh, there's a kid with an eye patch who gets into all kinds of hijinks. He says something not funny, and then someone flies out of the panel as if they did say something. Right. Funny. So when Bazooka right. Joe has oh, the wait. eye patch, right? I was I was totally confusing this with Beetle Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> no, Beetle Bailey's an idiot. I mean, Bazooka <laughs> Joe's a moron. So yeah. I mean, it's uh, basically Bazooka gum sucks. You ever chewed that stuff? Yes, it's tried terrible. to. It's like god darn being in kindergarten with a gun to your head is what it's like. It's I, like it's like some god darn second world country gum. No offense. It's it's bad stuff. It sure is. It's like chewing on some sort of industrial material. That's why they need this video game to remake their image. I That's hate right. gum in general. I don't chew gum. I don't chew anything I don't intend to swallow, right? Am I, who, who's with me here? Yeah, I'm with you on that I don't, one. I don't like chewing on anything, to be perfectly honest. I, no. I, I like eating soft, bland foods. The texture of oatmeal and porridge is, is what I eat for dinner. Flathered so, in hot sauce, though. So uh, put a whole bunch of it on there, but that doesn't make it chewy. Ain't no, no hot sauce I never heard of makes something chewy, right? If it does, call your doctor. So <laughs> what I'm saying is gum is bad. Bazooka gum is top of the pops when it comes to bad gum. It's one of them gums that only exists because there's, you know, the, the retro section in the candy store that has, like, the stupid wafers or whatever. So one, one you know, thing I've noticed in marketing and advertising is people love when something is connected to something. When you, when you have a song that's from an anime, people will like both the song and the anime, right? For example. Um, yep. So the only reason Bazooka Gum exists is because it has comics in it. And neither of them are good. However, together, they're a brand that has endured at least long enough for Alex Jaffe to ask a question about them <laughs> on a podcast in the year 2020. So anyway, that's, that's uh, basically by making a video game, we would be encouraging this, this insipid, self-parasitic marketing trend of And that's what we're trying something. to do. Yeah, so, let, let's, so let's do it. What's the worst way to do it? 
Okay, I think he does have a bazooka, but it's yeah. not used for violence. Um, I think it's used for navigating the world. Well, I was thinking, what if he shot bazookas? I, like, he used his bazooka to shoot gum into people's mouths. Like, kind of like Pepsi Man has to deliver all of yeah. those Pepsis to people uh, because they're they're frustrated at a Pepsi machine. They're like, where's the dang Pepsi? And he has to go deliver it. I can see that. So what what wow. I was visualizing was that you kind of shoot the bazooka down to propel yourself up and then to float. Um, he kind of like cranes his neck upward. I just did that. You could probably hear it on the, on the mic um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and blows a bubble that helps him float. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. how he gets around. But then, yeah, maybe he does have to uh, force this uh, horrible product into people's mouths to, he's, yeah, got he a, yeah. both. he's got a bazooka that shoots big pink bubbles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, here's, yeah. here's what yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking because it's Bazooka Joe, because it's a famous brand that lots of people have heard of, whether they're really familiar with its uh, deeper contents or not, whether they know any of the details of what what is Bazooka Joe the comic about. We don't know, right? I mean, we know there's a kid with an eye patch and a baseball cap, right? That's basically Bazooka Joe and his gang. I recall the phrase and his gang, right? So we've got Bazooka Joe. A bazooka is a gun. Uh, Everybody recalls the name of this thing. I feel like the bazooka marketing people could get away with something edgy. And I think what you do is you have to go into your school and shoot all the kids with a bazooka, but it just basically the giant pink bubble hits them in the head and then they start chewing gum and they thank you for it. So it's like, it's like an edgy, like a joke on a school shooting. It's like going after the Reddit audience and it's a really, really tasteless joke that they tried that they think nobody's going to get mad at because they think they did it right but they didn't that's what i would pitch them uh, uh <laughs> to sabotage them i would pitch them that to sabotage them for having the the gall to think that making any video game at all is going to elevate their stupid dead tired trash can brand I mean, to be fair, the gum doesn't taste like anything either, so tastelessness <laughs> is their brand. Kaboom. <laughs> Kaboom. It's either that or it's it's just a completely nothing platform game on the Commodore Amiga. Right. <laughs> We're just mm-hmm. giant heads. Yeah. Sure, that's what we do for all of these. Yeah. A, whimsical, a whimsical school shooting simulator. <laughs> we'll be right back after a short break. Alamo Drafthouse, I know you're listening to this. Let me uh, sponsor us. All right, uh, we now return to insert credit. It's time for our Patreon question of the week. Uh-oh. You too can submit questions to the show by joining patreon.com slash insert credit and get episodes a day early. Uh, this week's question comes from Alex C, who asks, was Lost Planet 2 proto-destiny? Oh, man. Yeah. Lost Planet 2 was one of the games that I ordered from friggin' GameStop. <laughs> oh my lord. So you don't For know. Real, that's not even a joke. So you like, don't know the answer to this question. I don't know <laughs> the answer because I don't have, because they didn't send it to me. GameStop-a-top-a-ta. <laughs> uh, and I don't know because I, I don't know, I played uh, about five minutes of the single ca- player campaign at, a, at an event or something. I don't know anything about this game. Joel, All I can really say is that programmer Shane Marks played that competitively well i mean competitively not officially but like he was in a top guild and stuff kind of situation for a very long time and i think he would probably say yes is the answer to that question 
because something about that version of that game, which is why I wanted to order it from GameStop when I saw it there, I was like, oh, heck, I should play that. Obviously, the online experience, as we were discussing earlier, will not be there anymore. But there were guilds and raids and the movement mechanics were interesting, which I think is could be part of what they were talking about. Because, you know, in Destiny, you got those little speeder thingies. What do they call those? I don't remember what they call those. But they got those little bikes and whatever. And in Lost Planet 2, you zip around with your with your zip line and um, you got big goals to get to all together. So I think there's there's something to it. And there was definitely a lot of discussion when Lost Planet 3 came out about how the magic was no longer there and Lost Planet 2 was kind of the one. And so it feels like that sort of thing is ripe for someone else to be like, well, that was a good idea. Why don't we evolve that? I I don't know that the Bungie people were necessarily thinking directly of it, but they probably played it. Call me a moron, but wasn't Halo the proto-Destiny? No. So here's the thing. Um, okay, Halo Halo is uh, part of the DNA of Destiny. Though Destiny is composed... DNA-stiny. Destiny is composed out of many, many little... Destiny is endlessly fascinating from a game design perspective. Just to imagine, I, I don't think there's any game in the world that has as much design of as many different flavors and game design sub-disciplines in it. As yeah, there's Destiny. a lot of micro stuff in there that's very micro polished. It's it is incredible. It is incredible, and I, uh, I I I will tell you the truth. I applied for a job working on Destiny One, and I interviewed a couple of times, and I didn't get it. Then the thing I was I was applying to do was quite specific. So let me tell you something that I know. I know for a fact that at least a couple of game designers working on Destiny have definitely played all three Lost Planet games. So, I mean, I, I don't know how, I, I, I call this a fact, though it's really more of just an extremely strong notion that I have. So Lost Planet 3 was, uh, as Brandon said, it, and it's the one people said the magic was gone. It's the one that completely gave itself over to the resource collecting and crafting stuff. I played all three of these games. Um, and then Lost Planet 2 had a little bit of it that was balanced. Lost Planet 1 was, uh, did anybody here play Lost Planet 1? Oh, yeah. I loved Lost Planet 1. I really loved Lost Planet 1. And it's it's such a strange little game. It stars uh uh Lee Byung-hun from uh that's what they call him in Japan. Uh yep. Byung-hun Lee. It stars him as the main character. He was like the hottest celebrity, hottest Korean celebrity in Japan at the moment that they they mocapped his face just for these cutscenes in this game. And it has this uh this personable world to it. It has like its own massive world building stuff that they just built out of nowhere for nothing it really feels like an nes capcom game just presented on the xbox in a way that dead rising did as well if anybody remembers the dead rising review i did for insert credit a long time ago i got a a a guy to do a fake flyer that looked like uh one of the comic book advertisements that nes capcom games had for dead rising i wrote some copy for it does anybody remember Mm -hmm. that that is actually the only thing i remember about it Oh, excellent. See, it's an excellent... Uh, the copywriting was uh, pretty good. The graphic design was obviously the, the key there. Yeah. Though I, I feel like there was this weird thing going on with Capcom at around that time where they were really bringing the spirit of the NES. And they were really thinking, like, all the way back to their roots, they were thinking, like, what kind of innovative spirit would we pull off with our games now? And I knew several people at Capcom at that time working on Lost Planet and a couple other games. And there was a, 
if you know the game Dragon's Dogma, right? Dragon's Dogma yep. is like their weird sort of splinter offshoot single player ish monster hunter game, right? Which is, I mean, that's that's the really bad elevator pitch. In, in practice, the game is actually this this beautiful, tempestuously blossoming thing in its own right. Uh, it's it's its own kind of weird alternative angle. Dark Souls, back before Dark Souls was an archetype, and there's Monster Hunter, and Monster Hunter borrows a lot from uh, Fantasy Star Online, and there are these right. really weird little game design principles that came out of Resident Evil. Uh, what was it called Outbreak? The PS2 online Resident Evil. Do you all remember that? Yeah, was that Outbreak or was that? Oh, man, I got it over there on my shelf. What is it? God darn. Biohazard God. Outbreak. I just I just remember uh, playing it a little bit. It has there's a lot of this DNA that has like funneled its way, trickled. Well, there you have it. I have a very long answer that you can view on an action button review on YouTube about a year from now of one of those games that I mentioned in that huge list. Uh, the Stay review, tuned. The review yeah, will I cover had... all of them. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I suddenly had way more to say about that, too. Uh, yeah, there's... After, like, the, the NES thing, I just want to briefly say, like, the the sure, thing they were doing... this one two minutes. Okay. The, the, no, the thing a... they were doing at that time, like, I really like the, the NES analogy because with the NES, you had kind of the implication of a larger world in a lot of these things where, you know, the kind of the backgrounds and the tiles would hint at much more world out there. Yeah, they pulled and, off world building like hugely in a, yeah. all the way back then. And that was really hard. It was hard to translate that kind of oh, there's way more here thing in a 3D world. A lot of a lot as a lot of companies found very clearly, but Lost Planet somehow manages to and I think part of it is like you have this heat mechanic where you you can't get too far away from everything where it really does feel like there's way more out there you'll never be able to access it but there's there's like a big world that that exists here through inference and it's hard to do that through inference and it, it i found it pretty impressive that they managed to do that yeah it owns uh let's go on to our next question which i believe is tim's question tim are you ready oh yeah so here it is do you know anyone who has ever played any game that they've backed on Kickstarter. That's my question. <laughs> because I feel like there are these games that get backed on Kickstarter and you don't stop seeing animated GIFs of them on Twitter. And then it's like when when the time comes and years have passed and the game has been released, I can't find an opinion about that. Yeah, nobody's talking about it anymore. I, I think that's uh, it's one of those things where like, were the animated GIFs the game all along? Like, was that it? Basically, ultimately? yeah. Like, you... I played uh, Indivisible, but people I knew were involved in that. So That was a Kickstarter game? I didn't even know that was on Kickstarter. Indiegogo. Oh, uh, okay. the old IGG. It was, but it, it counts. I mean, it it was actually, it's actually still, I believe, the, the largest Indiegogo game of all time. Oh, excellent. Uh, did, largest back. Okay, did you know anyone who played that Double Fine Adventure game? That when it came out, the one that had who was in it was Elijah Wood in it. Who was in it? Somebody. I know one person who played it, but I Jack believe Black. it's because it looked like he was in it. Chris Petrowski of oh. uh, Cappy Games. He played it, but like literally everyone was telling him. Everyone that knows him was like, "The protagonist is you." Ah, uh, 
because yeah. it, it looked exactly like him. So I know someone played that. I played oh, the a... the first half because they they put it in two halves, and then uh, I was not compelled enough to look into it when the rest of the game came out. Oh, interesting. So let's evolve the question a little bit then. Do you know anybody who's finished a game that that they backed on? Did you back uh, it on Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, you I did have. back in on Kickstarter, and I and I'm looking through my list here on Kickstarter. I, I sort of stealth logged in, um, and no, I have not played almost any of these, but um, I did play Thimbleweed Park to completion, which was a, a Park. Kickstarter game. I mean, I think the big answer is Shovel Knight. I think everybody who backed Shovel Knight played it. I That's played the true. heck out of Shovel Knight, but I didn't back didn't it. Back it. Right. I didn't yeah. back it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's also true. Uh, I didn't play Frog Fractions 2 somehow. I should do I that. didn't either. Oh, man. You know, I, I backed one game on Kickstarter. Uh, no, I backed two games on Kickstarter. One of them has not been released. One of the games I backed on Kickstarter was Wander Song, which was being made by my friend Greg Lobanov. You guys know Greg yep. Lobanov? Yep. Excellent guy. Top tier individual. Um, like and Scarves. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I backed that game and uh, I played it to completion. Though, uh, also, I, I feel like maybe that doesn't count because I, I know that guy and I, I backed it because I knew the guy. Right. Yeah, What's I mean, that? my that... most recent example is that, what's it called? Battle Princess Madeline. Um... I, that, that was the, you know, Makaimura-like video game starring a young lady. And I backed that and I was kind of excited about it. And then it came out and I was like, hmm, I don't know. And I played it for... <laughs> I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I feel kind of bad about that. I guess did any of you back Shenmue 3? No. 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 <laughs> of course not. I did not. Uh, <laughs> I, I played a little Shenmue 3. I didn't back it, though. I'm going to get it again. I got Shenmue 3 for free on my PS4. I'm going to try to get it on my PC so I can at Shenmue least... Shenmue free. That's what they Shenmue call it. Free. Exactly. <laughs> oi, oi. Y'all got that Shenmue free? Shenmue free. Shenmue free. <laughs> Y'all, you lot got that Shenmue free. That's how they say it. Uh, so yeah. I guess another question, how often have you ever bought uh, concert tickets and then on the day of the concert not wanted to go? It's very similar, oh, right? every time. Every <laughs> time. Yeah, every I, time. I do force myself to go a, a, a lot of the time. Another thing that, that's real good that happens is I will buy concert tickets and then be like, when was that show supposed to be? And, and then, then it's it over. was last week. Yeah. I feel like I Kickstarter, Kickstarter manages to uh, funnel that money into the video game industry. So, I mean, there, there is actually that certain type of money. I remember at games to Patopt, when I worked at a games to Patopt, back when it was called software, et cetera, back in the nineties, Holy Lord. Uh, I just pressed my clown horn sound effect button. Um, <laughs> uh, back when, back in the nineties, when I was a, a grown up person working at a video game store, um, I, I remember the manager like very, very, in like a low key way, like he knew he was being sleazy, being like pre-orders are the best, man. Because people pay ten dollars most of the time; they don't even come back and buy the game. And I'm just like, oh man, oh man, wow. So I guess uh, for concert venues, it works out real well. And when people forget that they bought the ticket, because they get to have a little bit more breathing room and a slightly yeah, more comfortable they're experience. They're all bankrupt now because uh, nobody's going to any kind of concert ever. Yeah, these all dead. I, uh, I, I actually. Until I, until I, uh, I, I lived a very uncomfortable life for many years, uh, on sort of on purpose, uh, though it was all leading up to now where my life is no longer uncomfortable for the reason you would think, which is money. Uh, it's uncomfortable because the world sucks. <laughs> I just can't, I, I can't get no respect basically. So like I, I had this experience when I started working at a, a day job where 
I was, uh, I had the problem where I, I have this problem where I work like 14 to 16 hours a day. And, uh, I just, I had no life outside of my job. And the only thing I did was I bought movie tickets and went to the Alamo draft house and watched movies and I bought them on the app. And I think maybe one out of eight times I ended up just not going to the movie and not getting a yeah. refund. And I'm like, I got the money. I don't need to worry about it. So I had the money, didn't have the free time. I feel like I would do the same thing with, uh, with any Kickstarter game that I back now. I got, I got really? a Kickstarter thing I want to squeeze in before we run out of time, which oh, is that okay. squeeze I ha- me. I have backed three games that, uh, <laughs> ah, <laughs> dang, not enough. Uh, dang. Sorry. It was going to be really good. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, well. oh, well, uh, here's our next question. Question number eight. I like to play podcasting games, huh. games that don't require any reading or sound cues while I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks. Oh. What should I be playing that fits this category? Oh, Destiny 2, my friend. Destiny 2 has all the game design flavor of your Fantasy Star Onlines. It's got uh, all of the crafting and such of your Lost Planet 2 and 3. <laughs> and it's even got... Uh, it's even got all of your all the stuff that's good about Monster Hunter is present in there. You can play it for five minutes. You can play it for ten minutes. You can play it for an hour. You can get stuff done in two minutes. You can get stuff done in three hours. It's just a, all building your character and just chilling in the world. And when it's but time Jeffy, to chat with people and play, you can do that you're, too. You're, you're talking about like a game that is very low brain, right? Where right. You, yeah, where you don't... It's like a fun extra thing to do while you're... Uh, doing something that you're paying attention to. So exactly. Destiny yeah. 2 is an ultimate low-brain game for me, but it's also a high-brain game when you want it to be, but there's plenty of low-brain content, LBC, in there. Well, I think about this question quite a bit, and uh, one one of those for me is that game Hold Down on the phone, oh. where you're basically just playing pachinko, and there's a bunch of games like it, but this one is is well well polished and made by made by that grapefruit guy. Mm-hmm. I like that guy. It's basically just like a once you get to the end of it, it's a, it's an endless kind of mining with pachinko balls kind of a thing where you're just bouncing stuff around and trying to make numbers go down. And it it's pretty fun to just have on as a second thing. Uh, another good one is Super Metal Crusher for the PC engine, which is a totally different direction. But if, for example, you have a little TV with a PC engine hooked up to it while you're doing whatever else you're doing, in this game, you pretty much just... You, you're battling robots, you're sending them against each other, uh, and you ch- you choose the stats of your robot, and the stats are rather obtuse-looking. Like There will be things like speed and fastness, and it's like, what's, <laughs> what, what's the difference between oh, them? I, love I have it. no idea. That's, I think it's agility and dexterity, to be honest. Yeah, it's probably more like that. I but, remember uh, being confused about the difference between those two uh, when I first started playing the RPG BOs, you know? Yeah, RPGBDZs. RPGBDZs. Uh, <laughs> but that one's pretty fun because you, you just set it up and then you watch them, watch it go, and then it fails or succeeds, and you kind of have no idea why, and then you just try it again. And, and it's a pretty, like, you need to engage your brain for very mildly for, like, 10 seconds every couple minutes and uh it works pretty well for that i'm writing that down what else you got i just got two things to say real quick number one is uh brandon when you said hold down (laughs) i i i reflexively pressed the uh 
<laughs> I reflexively pressed the broken plate sound and the doom demon sound on my soundboard by my left hand. So it was just like a sound and a doom demon going in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I almost died. I had to turn my head a uh, like full 179 degrees away from the microphone because you said this game called Hold Down, and it was like <laughs> clattering, uh, like cartoon plate breaking sound effect. And <laughs> it was, uh, this, I tell you what, Elgato Stream Deck. If you absolutely need to spend 249 dollars to have a moment like I just had. While recording a podcast where a guy says, hold down, <laughs> look, look no further. Right. Elgato Stream Maybe that's are the podcasting game I need. Uh, just a soundboard that I can play while During I'm the podcast? To the podcast. Record. Wait a second. Yeah. Are you, Jeffy, are you saying you're bored right now and need something to do right now? No. <laughs> I know. I well, I'm listening to other lesser podcasts. Plate breaking sound. I can't loop my my soundboard in to this microphone. I'm gonna try it for into the next episode. I promise to use it very sparingly. Uh, yeah, let's but, see how it goes. Yeah, but uh, I, I keep made that below twenty times per episode. I made That's that promise. I made that promise to my stream audience, and uh, it, that that promise went uh, like this: just press the broken plate sound effect again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's gotten so pervasive that you incorporate it in the like work emails that you send me. It's, yeah, I I, I do it. Uh, I I just I do it all the time while listening to music. Oh man, it <laughs> rules! It's uh, yeah, it's horrible. Um, so your podcast video. Well, I had another. I said I had two things. And I don't know what the other one. Who cares about the other one? I don't care. Uh, Peggle's pretty good. You can get Peggle up going in there. Yeah, <laughs> I did Peggle for a few months. That's over. I pressed okay. the Doom Demon sound effect again uh, when you said Peggle. Done by with the Peggle. way, Peggle. Um, so let's see i like i find puzzle games in general are pretty good at for that and um this one might be a little too much of your brain and also it's maybe too expensive but that game cleopatra's fortune that i was talking about earlier the saturn version and possibly the playstation version which has way worse music but i think it doesn't um saturn version at least has this version of oh. it called mystery mode that happens in there and hmm. uh it's basically where you have a prompt. Oh wait, it's also in Japanese. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm really I, digging I, myself a hole. I here. remembered my <laughs> second thing. I remembered my second thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I was well, I'll say. just finish this real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, hurry, hurry, uh, hurry. <laughs> you have to solve specific puzzles through their specific rule set, and as long as you know those, it's just like how do how do I get this going? And it's a lot of trial and error and figuring out, and it's kind of fun. Mine just as a title before Tim goes real quick: Game and Watch Collection. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my joke was so good. We'll never hear it. Uh, I'm very upset about it, but we're never going to hear your joke. That's the format of the show that we've cursed ourselves I with. got mine in, though. That's all that matters. You got, it, to be cursed. You got yeah. it in there. Game and watch, baby. Question number nine. What is the best joke weapon or joke armor in any game? I don't love joke weapons and joke yeah. armor, but Dan Hibiki in the Street some. Fighter series, he's the best. He's he's a joke character, and he's actually funny. Yeah, and he's making fun of SNK, which is also kind of funny to have like a little game development rivalry in there because they made him look like Ryo Sakazaki from from Art of Fighting. So he's uh, he's actually got like he's it's like a, a three flavored sort of joke. Because right. he's he's the joke about SNK, he's a joke 
about uh, he's he's mechanically badly designed on purpose. Yeah, and which is no- also an SNK burn, I believe. Yeah, I believe so as well. And then number three, so he's aesthetically and mechanically a joke about SNK. And then number three is he exists to uh, be a sort of a dare character, where it's like yes. he's he's a he's a self handicap. It's like you choose him when you really want to prove that you're way better than the person you're playing against. I and, love it. Uh, I mean, it maybe didn't 100% work out that way and go down in history as a, a great idea, but I think that's a great idea. I think it is. I like how they used it again in Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Yeah, where he's all where, red. Yeah, his, so his it, in that game, if, if y'all don't know, people like people have specific pattern drops for when they do a bunch of damage. They drop like jammer blocks on you and Dan's are all the same color, meaning mm-hmm. they're incredibly easy to kill him with. Like once, once they turn into full blocks, it's this huge, like glittering jewelry store of, of all bombs to it's murder all... him with. So it's like, there oh, was wow. a guy on my dorm floor who was able to beat people with Dan because yeah. he was so good. Cause you get a combo that's so big that it causes such a huge junk block. That it just instantly kills the person. And I mean, the yep. people he was playing against were of remarkably lower skill level than him, uh, but they still stood a chance until he got that massive combo and killed them. But it Friend was... of the show, Persona, is so good at that Puzzle Fighter game that we started making him play as Dan every time, but then he got so good at that that now he has to play with the controller upside down behind his back. <laughs> Can he still win? It's the it, he still wins it, but it's the only way to make it fun. It's the only way to make it a little bit of a challenge for the rest of us. Am I remembering right that you could throw soup or something in Symphony of the Night? Oh yeah, mm. you could. There was some kind of a um. There was some kind of a food you could. Oh, it, I think it's like you could use your you could equip the item as a weapon or something like that, and then you could toss it out there. Okay. Something like that. I do remember that happening. Um, there's a there's a game called Queen of Heart 99, which was uh, very similar to the Oscar 120% series that I enjoy, but four-player. And it was a doujin game starring a bunch of anime girls from a variety of anime things and whatever. But there was one character who would uh, drop... Actually, I guess this is just like Shenko from Darkstalkers. Drop pots and pans and stuff on people. Uh, that's kind of fun and silly and not too obnoxious. I like that. Okay. But I guess you're thinking more about like in games like PO'd or whatever, where they got some kind of a big old barf gun. I don't know if they have that in PO'd, but some, one of those kinds of games. You know? One of my right. favorite joke weapons in a game. That's a sort of a joke, but I don't know if it's a joke weapon is, does everybody know the spoon in final fantasy four? Where I there's, don't. No. There's a character who dies, uh, spoilers, and if you visit his wife at a particular point of the game, she will give you uh, a spoon that belonged to him or whatever. Oh, this is familiar, right. And uh, it's a throwing weapon that only the character Edge the ninja can throw, and it does 9,999 9, damage on anybody you throw it at. And otherwise, it, and then once you throw it, it's gone. So it's a thing you get from a guy's wife as like a memento of him that you can <laughs> and then throw. He just it. Yeah, and it's 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 a tradition for me to always throw it at the final boss because it's guaranteed to do ninety nine ninety nine damage. 
Yeah, and makes Final sense. Boss has a lot more than that in HP. Yeah, especially in like a hard, a Final Fantasy IV hard version playthrough, you you want to act using the spoon is actually important. So it's not really a joke, but it's kind of a strange little injection of of, of weird morbidity in the game that I like. I like that. Yeah, that I think does it that does remind me of a, a a joke weapon that I don't like. Um, the in in that Highlander game that I often mention on the Jaguar CD. They have a rubber chicken weapon um, that you can unlock if you go into the you you do some secret stuff and you get into a cave room that has pictures of all the developers in it. And then on a pedestal in there is a, a rubber chicken that you can take and equip as a sword. And whenever you swing it, it goes boy, <laughs> and love a boy. Yeah. And that game is difficult and kind of obnoxious. Well, very obnoxious to play. But the rubber chicken weapon is the most powerful weapon in the game. And and so if you get it, you kind of have to use it because it's too hard otherwise. And so you're just going around this moody, atmospheric place going boing. Uh, it's my least favorite, but in a way also my most favorite because it, I don't know, when you ruin an experience yeah. that I'm enjoying, that's that's uh, its own kind of fun. So I it's... Think... it's ah. Oh! Sorry, Frank. Frank got Sorry, owned Frank. again. Lord, that sucks. Here's our 10th question. Which space-based video games have taken the most advantage of the space setting? Ooh, Ooh. Colony Wars. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. I just thought of Colony Wars off the top of my head. I love Colony Wars. I need to get myself an HDMI, a PlayStation, with some sort of a flash cart that I can plug in so that I can play Colony Wars on my television and capture it on my Elgato Game Capture 4K60 Pro. I told you I'll help you with that. Let's yeah, oh, it. I know that's that's I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to bring Frank in to the question. Did you like that? <laughs> Pretty good. I <laughs> Frank was telling me about these HDMI modded PlayStations. I I'm, I'm I've been looking at them. I'm going to get one. No, nah, it's not it. a thing yet. Uh, oh, it's not. PlayStation, but uh, Really? Yeah. Oh, you were telling me about some PlayStation stuff. Yeah, with the, I mean, the you, you can convert thing. the component to HDMI. Oh, and I guess someone made a cable that does that. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a cable. Some, some right. retro tank or whatever. Yeah, I love Colony Wars, and that was one of the games. I was just thinking about this PlayStation thing today, and I was thinking about getting a PlayStation just so I could play Colony Wars, uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to do it. Uh, Colony Wars is a very good space game. Has anybody played Colony Wars here? Am I the only... Nope. Person. More like Colony Boars. No, actually, I haven't played it. It's a real good sort of a space trucking game where you're uh, you're just you're flying your spaceships in this really nice, neat, weird, persistent 3D space, and it, it has one of those one of those really striking elements where you can like fly your ship into a bigger ship and like land it, and you're like a guide. You're like delivering things. You're like a space yeah. courier, except you've got guns as well. And I just I always thought that that was a really good, chill, relaxed space experience. Obviously, the number one answer to this question is, is Star Control 2. Star Control 2 is the best the best space game, and I really feel like I'm in space when I play that game. Your Colony Wars thing reminds me that I was recently playing Hyperspace Delivery Service, and I don't know that it's the very best, but it, it takes what I like about space sci-fi and puts it into a game. It's also kind of like that seed ship game that's free on Android, where most of the time you're just making decisions about the difficult things that happen in space. And 
whether to trust this person or not to trust this person. And so it winds up being more about space diplomacy, though there are FPS sections and also flight combat sections, but those are kind of weaker and in support of the main thing, which is a uh, different every time you play kind of get to this planet, what resources will be there, what can you harvest, and who can you talk to to try to get an edge and actually reach your destination on time without exploding. It's pretty pretty nice, and it has a nice aesthetic to it. It's on the Switch. I recommend Space it. Space is good. I'm not personally into these games, but I think one of the best uses of space is uh, tapping into the grandeur of the infinite possibilities of space and and doing that that, that procedural generation on planets. So something like a no man's land, um, no man's sky, no man's sky. No man's sky. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I love that game. Yeah. So I really, I, 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 okay. it doesn't work on me, but I, because I just, I don't know for something about procedural generation just makes the young punk in me want to poke holes in it. Um, no, it was procedurally generated. Yeah, I know. Like it, it's not. It's not like a, a constantly procedurally right. generating stuff. They procedurally generated it and then they locked it. Yeah, which I guess also is that's technically yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah yeah it's it's the same, but yeah yeah. It, it's yeah. a shame about that game going toward like they made they changed how the resource management and crafting y stuff works so that instead of taking two things which apparently the gamers found too easy and then they made it three things but one of the things is rare and so now it's like instead of just exploring and seeing what you can find and using that stuff to get to the next planet then it became okay get to this planet and you've got to mine any everything because that's what you have to do to proceed Uh, so it became less of a self-driven space narrative and more of a gamified thing which is uh, a little unfortunate because that that earlier premise is definitely exactly what i would be into but then i never i, w- I went and done never played it i'll tell I you kickstarted what. it in my mind and oh, then never played it. the brain kickstarter uh are there any games where uh gravity is treated differently on different planets or has no one gone there solar Jetman. <laughs> yeah oh, solar Jetman. yeah sjm different um, gra- outer different uh, outer Worlds or wilds, whichever one is the well. Outer wilds, outer wilds, outer wilds. Yeah. Wild, wild. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I I played both of them and I confused the two titles Th- all the that, time. That game's yeah. I'm telling you what, I was getting tired of people in my office joking about the similarity yeah, of the names. And I'm not joking. I'm not oh, I know you're not. I know you're not. Okay. And then all I right. was recording a video about my favorite games of the year, right? And I there was a segment that I had planned to be like, oh, how it's can we stop? joking about the titles and then i met i missed i mixed up the titles <laughs> yeah i said uh, uh i said outer wilds instead of outer worlds at one point and i was like oh my god and then i i called myself out in the video and i was like man this sucks <laughs> but uh, outer, outer wilds does have wildly different gravity on different yep. planets and that's like uh, part of its thing speaking of which i'd like to commend us for completing a sort of character arc through this episode that uh, earlier frank said no man's land and we spent zero time riffing on it yeah so i think we've grown together as a uh, collective <laughs> podcasting group here. what if there was a video game based on the batman comic storyline <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what if there was a video or, game based yeah. on the Harold Pinter play No Man's <laughs> Land? Sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
I, I really do think my my personal answer, I stand very strongly by, I think, the best games that really make me feel like space are Colony Wars, which earlier I oversold. It is, it is, a, it is a shooting game primarily, but it has this greater feeling of greater importance. Number two, Solar Jetman, which is just Death Stranding in 1989 <laughs> in space. Um, it's like it really it's more Death Stranding than Death Stranding. And it also very much feels like space. And Star Control 2 uh, is the other one that just it's it just has the bull. Anything you'd ever get from a Pulp Fiction novel about space is like in Star Control 2 in just this beautifully palpable form. And I know that Bethesda is making some Skyrim in space game that's going to scare everybody else away from making a space game. Because uh, I just wish somebody would make a better game than Skyrim that's like Skyrim. I guess that's kind of what The Witcher 3 is. I just wish somebody would hurry up and make the better space game than the one Bethesda's working on right now. I'm still going to recommend Hyperspace Delivery Service because... HSDS. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice and it's got that... Well, you got the recommendation in at least. It's got uh, that niceness. Yeah. It's got that niceness. It's time to move on to our lightning round. Oh, the lightning no. round is where I determine who won this episode and the right to ask a question in the next one. This week's game is called Crunch Time. We talk sometimes about crunchy feelings in video games. So I'm going to name a crunchy snack, and you'll tell me which video game crunches in a similar way. Oh. Uh-oh. Takis better be on here. Our first snack is tortilla chips. No tortillos. Just regular, regular uh, tortilla chips? Unflavored? Do we get... Restaurant-style, un- unflavored tortilla restaurant chips. Restaurant-style, so think restaurant is... style. Are you like, thinking thin or gruesas? You think the the, the thick ones? I'm thinking uh, like you're talking toss to two. To toss. You're talking to three people who have lived in or do live in California. <laughs> yeah. So Fair enough. There are many restaurants that have many. There's restaurant style tortilla chips is a wide thing. That's like asking us to uh, describe FPSs. See how okay. it works that in there. Let's narrow it down to Tostitos. Tostitos. Sort of a uh, medium what, crunch, not really a medium one. Yeah. Right in the middle. Yep. Medium crispy. Well, Frank, you had an idea. I no, I didn't, but uh, oh, I'm dang. immediately going to, like, breaking tables. I don't know what game you break tables in. Maybe slam a guy into a table. One of them wrestling uh, games, maybe. Yeah, I break them in Yakuza, but I don't think it's a, a plain tortilla chip. Oh, yeah, that's a harder one, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what about that? That Godfather game where they were really all about you can you can yeah. like strangle people with the analog stick and mash them into a, a table and that was a whole thing. Yeah, I don't know if you broke the tables, but I don't know if you did either. But uh, in absence of of more things to say, let's go. <laughs> okay, Godfather number two is Trail Mix. Trail Mix. Oh, Firewatch. <laughs> oh, I guess so. Oh. There's nothing I mean, crunchy right. about Firewatch. <laughs> no, there there isn't, but there's nothing that crunchy about Trail Mix. Have you ever had it after you opened the bag like the second day? There's no there's no crunch left. It turns into like a a, a soft It's a variety kind of, a... of soft chews. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay. Well, I I can rescind Firewatch, but boy that rocketed straight into my brain tell you what. <laughs> because it's a game about being on a trail. Is that why? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's why. So I, I mean, guess I, I guess that's our answer. I think. Wait, the, how about the Sanders? I think the majority the of AAA video games are trail mix. The I think, I think, to be perfectly honest. 
Yeah. Because they try to have a little bit of everything. That's true. I guess if you got a grab bag of a bunch of different crunchinesses, then it's probably like Dragon Age or something like that, where like nothing's actually fully crunchy, but there's so many different types that you can get out of there that you could, you can have maybe a good time. Some typical AAA game is nothing actually satisfying at all, but there's a lot of different stuff. Number three, oyster crackers. Oh, OQs. I mean, OCs. <laughs> I don't know why I said OQ. Uh, cur- oyster quackers. Are those, are those slightly sweet? Is that correct? No. They're saltines, but they're small. Oh, small teens. They're saltine yeah. nuggets. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and are they kind of lozenge-shaped? Small teens? A little bit. Just little press bit the round demon sound effect again. Okay, because I know they go in like clam chowder and whatever, and I have not had much occasion to. Oh, you can add them yeah, to they're, a tomato they're crunchy soup. things that you intentionally ruin by putting in liquid. Brandon, have, you ever, have you. you ever had an enjoyable uh, tomato basil sort of creamy soup? You can put the oyster crackers in there, and it's pretty good. So, so what's a game that feels good, but then it feels like the developers intentionally ruined it by putting it in soup? <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of AAA games. Man, okay, I, I like Uncharted, but th- th- they did. I remember the first Uncharted had a whole... They, they strapped a whole lot of quote-unquote realism onto the shooting so that uh, you, you, aim, yeah. you aim wild a lot, you know, and that the aim is, like, unpredictable and your dude is heavy breathing and his shots are missing. So it feels like they, they, they understood the good shooting mechanics of, like, a Gears of War, and then they... They polluted it with a little bit of scatter and noise and realism. So that's kind of... Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would say specifically more like Uncharted 2 or 3. I think Uncharted 3 is the one I would say. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number four, granola bars. Oh, G-bars. Oh, Firewatch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, Fire W. Um, Okay, granola bars. Those are... Those are crunchy the whole way through. You can eat them for... Br- they're kind of like a meal replacement. Right. Are we talking often? like a Nature Valley granola bar? The one that, that blows immediately up in the I sawdust? Yeah, the Nature yeah. When you take a bite sure. of it, it blows up. It's at every video. Yeah. It's at every GDC uh, in the snack room. There's yes. Nature Valley granola bars. You bite them, so, they, they blow up. It's more like something that you eat when you don't... You don't want to do the thing that you're doing, which is eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's that? Oh, a Fortnite. No, any, any video game that's free... Yeah, yeah, it's a free to play something. It's a free to play something where you're compelled, and it's like this is my job now. So we could go with Fortnite. You bu- you bite it, and it blows up into sawdust. I think it's more Number of a disintegration five. than a blowing up, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's Number a crumbling. Five. Roasted almonds. Ooh, uh, roasted almonds good... are good ones, and you can keep eating them forever. But it, they're always exactly the same. So I think Earth Defense Force. A good tasty roast <laughs> that's good for you. Yeah. 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 Number I... six. Dry Cheerios. Okay, so that's uh, pretty much exclusively for, for people five and under. Yes. Right. Um, exactly. So, uh, Finger food, they call it. And eventually you throw it on the ground and cry about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disney's Cars, the video game. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so it should be one of those games that's like, and, and I don't know if Disney's Cars, the video game is, but where like you would play it as a kid, but it's actually way too difficult. <laughs> it probably has really long cutscenes. Yeah, and I, gave, like, I gave my dog a Cheerio once, so it's it's probably suitable like for it. dogs. It doesn't have sugar in it or anything. 
We're talking mm-hmm. regular Cheerios, not Honey Nut, right? Correct. Regular Cheerios. You know, I bought a no. popcorn popper on Amazon, and I popped some popcorn today because it just arrived, some white popcorn. Uh, let's go on to number seven, then. <laughs> number, seven is, number seven is caramel popcorn. So uh, caramel popcorn sucks. I'm kind of wondering what happens if you put the Cheerios in the popcorn popper. Uh, I think they just kind of scorch. <laughs> and they end, up, they end up popping out of the... Uh, out of the top and of the popper into the bowl. All right, my little it. dog loved eating pop. He loves popcorn. He goes wild okay, for it. So All right, what's the next one? Caramel, caramel popcorn. Caramel popcorn. Caramel popcorn is where you take something that could potentially be healthy and then you slather it with something that isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's that? Virtually any AAA like, video game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Something something wholesome that got covered with something gross. Um. Oh, actually. Uh, we were talking about the Vallis series the other yeah. day, and uh, they, they later in life they li- they leased the license out to a porn company that made a bunch right. of that made two games, Vallis X and whatever else. Vallis X. All the Vallis ladies getting violated by all the demons, and uh, that blows. And so that's probably the caramel popcorn one. Yeah. Okay, this should make the next one interesting. Number eight is buttery popcorn. Oh, I hate buttery popcorn. Okay, Mo- so movie theater. So it's what it's like an FMV game, like Night Trap, just like <laughs> uh, FMV stuff. Yeah, I think. Night but it's Trap. also I just, like I, I think of buttered popcorn. I also think of the movie theater, but I, I think of them like giving me this look, like something's wrong with me when I say no to the butter. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Mo- most theaters now they they let you pump the butter yourself. Yeah. At Alamo Draft House, when you absolutely need to spend sixty dollars to watch a movie. Um, that's our official endorsement for them. Uh, Alamo Draft House, I know you're listening to this. Let me uh, you, sponsor us. Because uh, you, yes, y'all please. ain't making money uh, right now because of that stuff. But uh, just sponsor us if you want. Um, yeah, we'll get them back in there. Buttery popcorn is, is is like the standard that you can choose to not have it that way. And, you, and 99% of the time, they're okay with it. So what's a video game that people, people make it worse for themselves, but... Uh, True murderheads can enjoy it. What's a game like with an easy mode that ruins the game? Yeah, something like that, or like a game where you're too compelled to collect things and then well, yeah, it's not fun. That's anymore. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing you can enjoy, but most people just create a job with it. Uh huh. Yeah. Although some people love that job, it's hard to. But Animal Crossing is okay because I think a lot of, enough people love buttered popcorn that I think we won't get too 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 murdered by it. That butter sucks. Is peanut brittle. Oh my God, pea brit. That that that'll break your teeth. That's off. that Snoopy yeah. Snoopy versus the Red Baron on the PS2. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because it breaks your teeth. It's peanuts. Come on. It's oh. peanuts. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Okay, number ten. Finally, Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its? I love them. They're not that crunchy. You don't got Takis on here? No Takis. Oh, I should have Takis. Takis, God Hand is Takis is what I was going to say. Cheez-Its is something I remember as being tasty at some point in my life, and when I've had it in recent years, it's tasted exactly like cardboard. It'll do in a pinch is what my Cheez-Its. So any NES game. Yeah, pretty much. Any NES. I was about Any NES. I was about to say it's a lot of Mega Drive games that I lo- that I thought I liked a long time ago that I don't yeah. really yeah, care that much that's about. That's true for me too. But weirdly, a lot of games, Mega Drive games that I thought I didn't like, like a bunch of the licensed games, I actually like now. You know what? Let's let's go ahead and say 
changed it so basically Mega Man one through four. Good. Yeah. No, good one good. through six. All yep. right. I think our winner this week is Brandon. Brandon came up with some real good ones. Uh, so hey, congratulations, right. Brandon. You're going to have to come up with a question next episode. Uh, Alex, Jeff, have, got, you, have you never had yeah. Takis? Come on. They're I, the best. I don't eat Takis. Oh, you should check them maybe, out sometime. Maybe I'll try some Takis between this and the next episode, and I'll give you my report. Yeah. They're uh, way better than silent films, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> uh, does anyone have any plugs or cultural recommendations? I got one. Um, I was watching this movie called Blind... <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I was just going through puberty for a second there. <laughs> uh, I was watching this movie called Blind Woman's Curse. BWC. Did I talk about this movie before? I didn't, right? No, I just no. like abbreviating things so that it sounds okay, like I'm no, aware of No, I was just them. making sure because I felt like I might have done. Uh, it's a movie where there is a woman who is the head of a Yakuza family, and she had to kill a rival clan leader, and his his daughter comes back blind mm. and a witch and harasses her and it's just chock full of amazing visuals like for example she has a her her inner circle of of tough people is a bunch of ladies who all have a dragon part of a dragon tattooed onto their back so they all have when they all slam together they they get shoulder to shoulder they complete a full dragon it's pretty cool so uh give that one a look i'm gonna recommend an old video game OVG. Ooh. I've been having a great time uh, with the Saturn game. I, I know Brandon, we've talked about this a little bit called Power Slave. Um, oh, yeah. Which is basically Metroid Prime, except it's on the Saturn and quite a few years before the real Metroid Prime. It's sort of a puzzly, platformy first person shooter um, with really interesting level designs that wrap around themselves in, in those really clever ways that, that make you happy. And, uh, Tough as nails, really hard. Every time you beat a level, you just kind of pump your fists because you're so happy that you did that because you're an amazing player. Uh, I really like that game a lot. Go, pl- go play that. If you want to play a game like that, but without really amazing level design, go for Turok, which I also <laughs> like, but is you could basically describe it the same way, except without all the fancy level design ideas. Tim, do you have any recommendations? Oh... Not off the top of my head, no. I've been doing pretty much the exact same thing all day, every day for the last, uh, uh, since the last time I've been in the same place. Well, do you recommend it? No, no. <laughs> no. Here's what I, here's what uh, I recommend. When someone uh, asks a very technical question with a bunch of details on Twitter, don't Google something and paste it into your tweet reply mm. and say, uh, oh, mm. if you're not, if you're not a professional video editor and, uh, uh, somebody tweets about a video editing problem that they're having and they tweet a whole bunch of details in a, in a thread of multiple tweets don't reply to the first tweet asking if the person tried to do X which is something that they mentioned as one of the possible solutions they explored in the second tweet of the thread read the whole thread and then don't reply to it at all uh, it, rather than going and, and copy pasting something from the internet that's my recommendation for the week. Pretty fun one. recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm going to have fun gonna with that. that. Yeah, the, I my, have a recommendation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast distributing platform. You can also support the show directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash insert credit. Subscribe at any level. And you can access our episodes one day early or submit your questions to the show. You can follow us all on Twitter. 
The show is at insert credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Kim is at 108. And Brandon is at Necrosofty. You can also keep the conversation going on forums.insertcredit.com, where some of us may show up to respond to your comments. Until next time, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. And I am Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved. Podcast over, yeah! Yeah, that kind of thing.